to be in Now when I landed in Vietnam, I hardly got to see Saigon. They shaped us up and called the roll, and off we went on a long patrol. Swapping lies, swapping flies, firing the odd shot here and there. The captain called a halt that night, and we had chow by the pale moonlight. A lovely dinner they planned for us with a taste like a seat on a cross-town bus. Some of the veterans just left theirs laying in the cans for the Viet Cong to find, deadlier than a landmine. Naturally, somebody told a joke, and a couple other fellas began to smoke. I took a whiff as the cloud rolled by, and my nose went up like an infield fly. The captain, this uh, blonde fellow from Yale, he looked at me and said, "What's the matter with you, baby?" Well, I may be crazy, but I think not. I'd swear to God that I smell pot. But who'd have pot in Vietnam? He said, "What do you think you've been sitting on? These funny little plants, thousands of them. Good God Almighty! Pastures of plenty." So we all lit up, and by and by, the whole platoon was flying high. With a beautiful smile on the captain's face, he smelled like midnight on St. Mark's Place. Cleaning his weapon, chanting something about Harry Krishna, Harry Krishna. The moment came as it comes to all when I had to answer nature's call. I was stumbling around in a beautiful haze when I met a little cat in black PJs, rifle, ammo belt, BF Goodrich sandals. He looked up at me and said, "What's the matter with you, baby?" He said, "We're camping down the pass and smelled you people blowing grass, and since by the smell you're smoking trash, it brought you a taste of a special stash. Straight from Uncle Ho's Victory Garden, we call it Hanoi Gold." So his squad and my squad settled down, passed some lovely stuff around. All too soon it was time to go. The captain got on the radio, said, "Hello, headquarters." <laughs> Hello,、uh, headquarters. We have met the enemy, and he has been smashed. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. dot com. Today is October the twenty fifth, two thousand and seven. I've had people complain occasionally about some of the shows I go on, where the show seems to go along the fear factor path. And the people really don't get much out of it except lots of fear. Well, don't blame me. This has been the system we've lived in for a long time. The only outlet, many years ago, for people who were asking questions, was what came to be known as Patriot radio stations. And the Patriot radio stations 
like all stations, end up as businesses. Maybe some of them even start as businesses. And business is really completely engaged with everything we do in this system. This is the system we've been given. It's the whole structure of economics which envelopes our whole entire lives. Everyone has their opinion as to what's happening in this world and you'll have all varied opinions from the more recent phenomenon which is propagated to the public of the alien stuff and before that and even today too we still have the religious side of it as God's will and you have many different factions in between and some of them are combined even one old Christian lady phoned me up once and says that Jesus was on one of the stars with a whole army uh, just waiting to come back to rescue the, her, his chosen I guess so Christianity has been blended with it too you see and it's because of our very poor ability to use reason and logic coupled with the immense indoctrination that we've all had that makes all of this confusion occur this world in the past in ancient times was changed drastically and very quickly by major battles major battles between city-states at one time could alter the course of everyone's lives and as time went on you had prolonged battles as the merchants supplied armour and equipment to both sides and funded them eventually that turned into much bigger wars with standing armies with the same bankers or their descendants still financing all sides and not just the bankers all of the investors as well in the industrial military complex nothing has changed the problem has been for a long time in fact that many countries base their economy on war wartime economies this hasn't changed either it's actually more profound today and more pronounced they've also brought academia into it in a a huge scale and many of the, the top reporters and journalists that give you your opinions what you think are your opinions and they have debates on television they're actually members of your security services even though they maybe have full-time jobs as professors or whatever they're also employed by your security agencies because to shape the world and lead the world into a completely new system means that you have to make sure that most people have limited data limited knowledge or intelligence gathering abilities and you give them what they need to know when you're given what you need to know you'll come to the wrong conclusions because you're not getting all you need to know it's very simple and we're run along the lines of Pavlov and Skinner and all the big creeps that lived in the past and the present who do various kinds of experiments on animals and then on humans the idea being that we're just another animal and what works on certain animals will work on us too and unfortunately in some cases they're, they're really right there we do 
we do work much like animals. We're conditioned to go along certain paths. Now, most people go through their entire lives running on instinct, just basic survival instinct. That's food, uh, water or, or fluids, sex, what makes them feel good, work to survive, and then they retire and then they die and go up and smoke to meet their god. And that's what they do. They'd never clue in to the fact that their their lives have been controlled. And most opinions they thought they had come to were actually given to them by the experts. Others, when they start to figure out something's really, really wrong, jump into the religions that they've been given. And it's God's will, you see. Now, God has always used earthquakes, famines and pestilences and all this kind of stuff because they happened just as much in ancient times as they did today. The only difference being we can create all of those things in revelations and the, the Christian New Testament revelations. We can do all that with science today. Science has got so far ahead they can, they can copy anything. And with quiet weapons for silent war or silent weapons for quiet wars, no one can really tell what's being used except we see the traces in the sky as they spray as pretty well daily uh, worldwide and I've no doubt dope the public as well because I think the IQ level is dropping now if I were at the top of the military boys leading this big change I would do the same thing I would use all the weapons at my disposal but I certainly have to conquer the mind it's a battle for the mind you see when you've conquered that You've conquered the people. When they can't figure anything out, you've conquered them. And you can lead them anywhere. And that's what's happening right today. We're being led to actual predetermined goals. And most people are completely and entirely unaware of it. Carl Jung used to talk about the, the collective consciousness. I prefer to call it the collective unconscious because... Most people haven't a clue. They have taken reality as it's been presented to them and never inquired into anything that's going on around them. Most people today, even in the patriot businesses, are trying to preserve the life they have and the culture they have. They're a little bit of culture around about them. They're a little bit of reality. They're goodies, they're toys, and the way they, they work for their daily routine never suspecting that even that's all fake because the system we live in is completely fake even this 8 to 5 uh, routine we have today and we pay all the different utilities for giving us power etc uh, that's all fake as well it's a completely integrated interdependent system which keeps you a prisoner in that system and makes you produce and consume in that system that was decided a long time ago that the world would be put into that, that kind of a category. It would all be categorized as producers and consumers, and it's happened a long time ago. And even when the culture has been changing, people still panic as it's changing even further because we, we tend to like what seems normal to us. Normal is only the culture that exists when you're young, when you're born and you grow up. That's what becomes normal to you, even though that normal is completely different from your parents' normal and the grandparents' normal. That's how quickly we adapt. To conquer 
everyone that to conquer the initial groups, the natural groups, the families, etc. Long before that, they conquered the tribes. And they had to annihilate the idea of tribal cohesiveness because that was an enemy to the system. The system being in comes the money men, the money substitutes for barter, and before you know it, you're being owned and run by those who dish out the money and count it. You work for the money, you don't work for the goods anymore. And they make it impossible to do otherwise, eventually. That's happened too, you see. Now money is often called a means of exchange. No, the only means of exchange is actually the goods for exchange. Once money comes in, you've a third party and you've no say in the matter because you'll never meet the character that decides the purchasing power of whatever thing or token they give you called money in any shape or form. Long ago, the big builders who came in with the money and started getting all the projects for building on the go so they could tax you even more to build them. You see, it's a merry-go-round of big building and so on. They could only keep themselves in power they found by the threat of war. And so they became your protectors. They dressed themselves in your furs. If you were dressed in furs, that's your tribal emblem. Or if you had a particular flag or standard, they'd, they'd dress themselves in that. They became, in fact, the walking flag. And I'm not kidding about that. If you look at the old tabards, they wore the over the overcloak that they wore on top of their their, their suit of mail. You'll see the fleur-de-lis or whatever emblems that the king had that used to be your emblems at one time of, of your, your tribe. They wore them. They became a walking flag. And they represented your country. And psychologically, you would have eventually, after a few generations, accept that, thinking they were indeed your natural rulers. Then they employed the religious bunch to reinforce that with God's law and God gives you government, etc., so obey it. And that worked great for centuries for them. But they still needed enemies to protect you because when the tribe is threatened, then you don't complain much when the king demands more money or food off you or more labor or whatever to fight this war or this possible war, this threat that's looming in the horizon. And there's always lots of threats because you found that these kings and queens were all cousins of each other and they married each other from all the other countries and once in a while they'd stand up in other sides of the channel or whatever sea it was and shake their fists and then they'd tax the public and get them into a war mode so you didn't complain, you were all working together we're all in it together, we're pulling together to survive and they'd tax the bejesus out of you and that's how it worked For a long, long, long time, out of that came the military-industrial complex, investments and all that kind of thing. But not only that, they had to get the mind control of the public, control them, because information was beginning to fly around, even with newspapers, and so they had to own the newspapers. They made sure that they owned the newspapers at the top, and that way they could decide what was going on in your mind, what you were going to talk about, what your topics of conversation would be. And they put out class newspapers, ones for the upper classes, ones for the middle classes, and ones for the working classes, which worked great and still work very, very well today. 
people tend to gravitate towards what they see themselves as being. So you're either a member of, of one class or another. However, all work in jobs, you see, don't, they don't get it. Even the upper middle classes don't get it. As long as you work, you're not a boss. You're not one of the bosses because it's the lazy boys at the top who are the bosses. They don't do any work. They make little suggestions occasionally and all the lesser beings jump into action and try to interpret what he wants. That's how it's run, you see. But people being people, they like this this class stuff and that's another divisive factor. Every possible method of division is utilised. So you not only have wars across seas and the threats of wars, you also have the class wars going on. And then you have gender wars and all kinds in between as they all battle for power and are funded by the same foundations to keep it all going. When we're all battling each other, we become disassociated. We don't stand up for common causes, even for our own collective survival eventually. And that's where we are today. On top of it, when people are trying to wake up, as I say, they come into, unfortunately, what they see is alternate media which are still businesses which have had a bad name in the past for thriving on fear and selling fear-based products and that is a huge business in itself people can be terrified and they try to to protect themselves against all possible catastrophes and they're churned out all the time all possible Catastrophes, because your imagination can go riot, you see, in that kind of possibility thinking. People at one time turn to their religions because people have fear, a fear of death. And they're terrified of living, but they have a fear of death. However, because they know what living's like, even with all its fear, it's familiar to them, so they'd rather choose that than death, you see. Even though they go to sleep every night and, and look forward to it, they have this faith that they'll wake up the next morning but the thought of going to sleep and not waking up terrifies them completely and that's how absurd it is in human nature now there are people out there who will promise you to sell you anything to make you live forever and that's been on the go for a long time and it's up to you as to where you want to try all these things and and they're expensive. Other ones buy all kinds of of Christian paraphernalia and go into the Christian version of the conspiracy. And there are other other religious versions of it as well. The one thing that I've noticed my whole life is that not only did the military industrial complex, as I say, that grew out of the investing, massive investing in war, not only did the they go for factories and employees and all the rest of it and a whole and, and pushing a, a way of life on people to keep them always hyper. They also hired thousands of those in academia. You must get them on board because they train the next generation of workers who will be over the general population. They come out of the, the bigger universities, the, the Granite Stone or Ivy League universities and end up and more powerful positions over the public so so they have to bring them on board and the best way to do it is to make sure they also have their particular type of indoctrination given by professors who are all on track with each other as I like to say or on board like the pirates say and 
that way you get a unified opinion amongst them on on certain topics. Everyone is controlled because before you can control people, you must give more intense indoctrination to those who will be controlling the people. That's mandatory. So we're living in this quagmire of of competing interests, all coming out of economics, an economic system that everyone's in, which also brings in the ego factor eventually too, because people hate to admit they've been wrong. And they'll do tremendous things to each other for all the wrong reasons. And they'll hate to admit, they hate to admit they're wrong. That's a sad statement to make about human nature, but it's very true. We've all been there at some time. And you don't really come to grips with that until you have your quiet moments together. Hopefully, if you're not psychopathic and you reflect on these things, psychopaths don't reflect at all uh, on what they've done wrong. They don't see things as being wrong. It's just what benefits them personally. Therefore, we're in a, a, a system which is like a huge pyramid, a pyramid with all the masses on the bottom, and that's the bottom level of the pyramid, even in Freemasonry, it's the masses. They call it the wasteland. The wasteland is the world of the masses, the unenlightened people. And you see sparse vegetation trying to grow, but it's where there's a, a lack of all knowledge intellect etc that's what the freemasons say because they're very very snobbish the higher up the ladder they get and you must keep those in the dark it's one thing to be profane as they say however it's another thing to make people profane and keep them there and how on earth can you wake up if you don't have access to true information and complete information it's just as easy to create disinformation by taking part of a story out your conclusions will be wrong and you'll blame often the wrong people through lack of data. We're living in a world where only psychopaths truly can benefit and there are many categories of psychopathy. psychopathy. There are many throughout society who thrive in this system from the guys at the top who do very little to the ones near the bottom uh, that don't really care they're quite smug and happy and they have their little interests and they have their outlets and they're they're living amongst you as well so we have this problem all around us and then we have the acquiescence of the general public who adapt and adapt as to say we're the most adaptable species on the planet is the new and ancient times. We adapt generation by generation to whatever is dished out to us, even though whatever is dished out to us generally has an ulterior purpose, like the Internet. The Internet was discussed back in the 60s, then in the 70s, before the public ever, ever even heard of it, because the military-industrial complex in all countries, by the way, that were integrated back then, because all the Cold War was a complete farce uh, at the top, that is. The ones at the lower orders didn't know it was a farce. They thought it was all real. But the ones at the top knew it was a complete farce. And the outcome of it all was everyone was taxed or, or put their labor into work. 
to produce high technology, much of which hasn't even been heard of yet to, to, by the public yet. It's so advanced. But it was to do with a world government and the complete control and rebuilding of humanity. That's where, that's where the, the, the money went during the Cold War. High technology for today and for what's to come. It created the satellite technology that now is to going to eventually monitor every individual on the planet. The computer is simply a method to make you completely dependent on it. People today can't count if they have to hand out change. They're used to plastic cards and a computer on a machine to tell them how much change to give back to someone. They can't count anymore, so they're dependent upon it. Stores don't know what stock taking is because paper and pencils are beyond them, and yet it's not so long ago we all used paper and pencils, and we could count and we got all along just well. In fact, it was no problem at all. The Internet was given primarily as a data collection agency. That's what it's for. And this was discussed, as I say, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and eventually it would become, it would take over from television. It would give all the same data to everyone worldwide. And not real data, or true data, or complete data, but again, it's just like giving you partial stories or completely fake stories. It will give you a view of reality. It will, it will become your reality. Perception is, becomes reality. And that's why it would be mandated to be worldwide. And Mr. Gore, of course, they keep finding little jobs for this guy because he's nothing much to do, was given that job before he was the greenie to push the internet to make sure that children worldwide would get them. They must get everyone in the same information network. But it's also to collect all data from everyone. And people have adapted so quickly, they they put everything about themselves on a daily basis on the internet. Whoever, whoever inquires about it, they just dish it out. And they don't mind, because that's a happy slave. That's someone who's lost their ability for self-preservation. They don't even mind. So there's no indignancy there at all. When there's no indignancy, for that person it's actually over. This was, again, discussed a long time ago, step by step. And here we are in the middle of it right now. The bulk of the populace ends up being the problem for those who don't go along with this system because eventually those who manage the system say, well, the majority have accepted this, this, and this, and this. Why don't you? So they use the fact that the majority have accepted it against those who don't want to go along. It's the same even with PayPal. Why do you think PayPal has been promoted to be so easy? You don't get off your butt, you just sit at your computer. It's, and of course you'll sell out your soul for convenience. This is something that which they knew a long time ago. You'd sell your soul out for convenience's sake. And you're doing it. Now, when, you're, when PayPal comes along, they hold the account, you don't. That's the bottom line with it. But it's been promoted as the easiest way to do things. And then it forces everyone else into it eventually. And I've had people say they'd support me if I went on PayPal. I guess the information's no use unless I'm on PayPal. Something's of use if it's on PayPal, right? Same information.
And this brings me around to what all behavioral psychologists know and all top sociologists know. You can count on the majority of the public to go along with whatever you want them to go along with. And that's probably been true in all ages. The world has been changed occasionally here and there, or at least this plan deflected a little bit, of course, by individuals. That's why we're into a rush towards the creation of the universal man and woman, or probably not even man and woman, it'll be a new type, because everything's been so blurred, mainly by propaganda, and through the educational system, we're not happy to be what we are anymore, we're told to be what they want us to be, and unfortunately a lot of people adapt and actually use the phrases they're given, they adapt automatically and start parting them, without realising that they're speaking the changes into existence for themselves when they use those terms and phrases and all the rest of it, all the political correctness that comes out from the top. And since most folks don't seem to be happy with what they are anymore, they'll be quite happy to go along with anything that promises them change for the better. I've got to laugh too at all the ads they have out. Change is good. You notice that in all the speeches now for politics change is good they don't qualify what they mean by change or where it's going but change is good really really I mean you can be walking along a road one day well jump in front of a car that's a change is it good or bad so they use these these terms to get us all rushing like a hare towards whatever they want us to go to without qualifying the direction where we're going or, or what the outcome will be it's all slogans you see the use of little catchy slogans and the public just parrot them. But getting back to information. Now, for those who want to chase the UFOs, go ahead and do it. For those who want to chase the religious aspect, go ahead and do it. There are thousands and thousands of books there, and I'm sure they'll keep churning them out as long as we have the ability to comprehend anything. And you can buy them as long as we're allowed to buy things until the next system comes in and live in this incredible roller coaster of imagination some tiny little facts, a lot of mis- misrepresentation, a lot of fraud, and regardless of it all, it comes down to control, because whoever takes a hold of your mind is now in control of your mind. You're supposed to be in control of your own mind and use reasoning and your own life's experiences to come to conclusions. But that's not good enough for most people today, because they've been trained to listen to others who they think are experts. And again, that's been very successful because a lot of people truly today cannot think much for themselves. And I, I, I shake my head when they bring on people in the weather, during the weather on the news, to tell you what to wear tomorrow because it's going to be raining. Or if there's going to be a storm coming in, to tell you what to do to get through the storm. If the power goes out, 
make sure you have some water to drink. And some people, unfortunately, need to be told that. That's terrifying. That's scary. Because there are people who need to be told now they can't think anymore for themselves. And it's the same with inf- all information. People want to be told what is truth rather than try and find out for themselves and come to their own conclusions. The only thing we can really be sure about in this world is that there's a lot of deception going on and we can back that up by at least the declarations of some of the biggest organizations on the planet and all these big organizations in academia, journalism and so on, they're all interlinked to give you your mindset to give you what you think is real, your version of reality. They work together and they have a common cause. And you've got to realize too, there's a lot of money to be made in terrifying people with all possible, possible catastrophes because everyone's got a fear of death. In ancient times, they they preyed upon that too when they brought money in because now you had fear of poverty. You didn't have fear of poverty before money came in because tribes took care of their own. Everyone was essential to the tribe, so you had more humanity. Humanitarianism came into it. Money destroyed that, separated people, as it still does today, and is is the general source of all arguments between peoples and couples. It comes down to money. Because everyone's fear of poverty, they're afraid of sickness and can't afford treatment. They're afraid of so many things, all stemming from from the lack of money. Therefore, all these things can be preyed upon and are preyed upon constantly in the system. This is not a humane system that encourages growth within an individual. It's meant to crush you. And unfortunately... When I look at people in my own age group, many of them gave up almost, and actually they did give up in their 30s when the the weight of life and rushing around and having to work long hours and do overtime and raise families and all that kind of stuff, uh, once that all came home to them, they almost got burned out or just gave up. They're like shells of people and they don't want to speak out. They don't want to be involved in anything they just want to come home at the end of the day and crash and switch off to everything that's real and get lost in the television and all of its propaganda and downloading and it's sad to see people who've been crushed by the weight of life because this life should not be like that this is not a humane system and here we are Going along, as always, as long as always done through history, here we are again, going along and supplying the cannon fodder to take over other countries and push this same system onto them and to allow them to be looted. Because believe you me, anyone who thinks that this, we're civilized, anyone who truly thinks that we've somehow evolved into a civilized state, where we care and we go to war for humanitarian purposes should go up a gum tree. 
economics and greed and power has always been behind wars, all wars. In World War I, and before World War I started, it's surprising to see the names who suddenly have come through in history that became multi-millionaires out of World War I. Look into the history of Nobel, the Peace Prize character who set up the foundation. He made his money off creating an extremely high explosive just in time for World War I. And he made a fortune out of it because he had a patent on it out of mass slaughter. But then it shouldn't surprise us when you see a lot of the names who were given the Nobel Prize. Everything is doublespeak. And then you look into Vickers, who became a sir eventually in Britain, who just happened to invest in the Maxim company, Maxim Machine Gun. It was a fixed heavy machine gun which really commandeered the whole of World War I as they put battalion after battalion across fields and mud on all sides with these same machine guns that were water-cooled. And Maxim and Vickers set up their company through Switzerland, the neutral country. And so Maxim supplied the Germans and Vickers supplied the British and, and other countries, France and so on. And they became, again, they added millions onto what they already had. That's what war is all about. And the, the carnage they cause doesn't penetrate to them because they are not really human in that respect. They're, they're psychopaths. Psychopaths do not regret anything except getting caught. That's all they ever regret. They don't know what regret is. And that's an alien concept for ordinary folk with consciences. But they do exist. What are the chances of deflecting this system? Why well, don't come out like a cheerleader and say they're, they're ex- excellent, they're, they're really good? Because I don't think that they are. I think it boils down eventually to individual will and probably very few individuals across the world who know there's something more to life than just this to earning and consuming and pretending because most folk walk around in pretense all the time with fake personas and they don't really communicate with each other they just parrot what they've heard on media back and forth uh, to be sociable they think that's being sociable they can't express themselves what they really feel And that's been encouraged and fostered too because in the society to come they want to get rid of feelings altogether. It's a nuisance to have feelings. It's not very productive. And that's always been a problem for the big boys. They hope to rectify that. And the internet again is a great way for them to monitor everyone. They 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 take the pulse of the public constantly. It's the best device ever for collecting data on on people, for studying people. And I mean everyone. This is Total Information Network. What do you think total means? And that's what's been set up. That's under the security uh, cover. 
of international security. Total information network, complete data. Complete, that means every one. Everyone's data has been collected. And when all data is collected, they do sampling and they say, well, 80% will all go along with this, etc., etc. They know how far to push things, how quickly to push things, how to push things by the collection of data. And even with all your purchasing too, the system that they're going to bring in, they've said themselves, will be one where every single person will be accountable for every penny they earn or credit or whatever and how much they spend. And they both got to tally together. It's for their benefit, not for the public's, even though it's convenient for the public. And as I say, most folk now are already cashless. They've adapted so quickly in a few years to this cashless system it's terrifying because that means they'll adapt to anything and most people will I really believe with the right persuasion by the right people volunteer to get their actually they'll demand to get their chip just like they want the free flu shot but for the rest of us in the meantime we're in this battle we have to go along with the, the general bunch to survive as well and no doubt I'll have to go on PayPal myself because there's only a handful of people will, will bother going to a post office or getting a check and sending it to me. Only a, only a few people do that. And uh, yes, it's discouraging. And yes, I could do other things in my life than, than sit here all day answering phones and doing everything myself. I could certainly do without this. I'm not doing it for money. I don't get cuts off the advertising. I don't get cuts off the products that are sold on any of the shows that I'm on. And believe you me, that's how it generally works with people. I don't get paid anything for any of the shows I've ever done, and I've never asked for anything either. But i got to survive myself, because I'm in the same boat as everyone. Only uh, the more I do this, the less time I have to bring an income in any other way. So yeah, the few are always forced along because of the majority. So why have I been doing this? I've been doing it for people who do come forward. I've been doing it for people like the translators who came forward. I do it for those few who've helped keep me going whenever they could and I do it in the hope that this movement towards totalitarianism can be halted, swayed and eventually neutralized because this is a war on the public it's not a war on terrorism it's a war of terror on the public and I know where it's heading and you all know too you all know where it's heading even those who are complacent and take it all as a big hobby, like a conspiracy hobby. There's nothing conspiratorial about it. It's all admitted to if you bother to read the books and the publications put out by those involved. But a lot of people do love conspiracies. They love the UFO idea. They soak up movies, they soak up conspiracy theories, and they can't tell the two apart anymore. 
because the movies give them predictive programming and make it all very exciting. I've been telling people that the Royal Institute for International Affairs set up this big web-like structure of interlocked foundations and academic organizations worldwide with the Council on Foreign Relations, which is just the American branch of the same organization. Read the November to December 1998 issue of Foreign Affairs magazine. That's where they, they put their predictive programming out to you, but they do tell you a lot of what they really are going to do. This is volume 77, number 6. And look at the chapter on catastrophic terrorism by Ashton Carter, John Deutsch and Philip Zilikoff. This is all about the first World Trade Tower bombing. They said they didn't do it right the first time, so they had to do it all over again. Although they do like doing things in twos. And they go through everything that's happening today with your rights being taken away about the setting up of agencies in 1998, mind you. And they weren't the first to say it. They said it in other magazines before that. And how there'd be total information gathering worldwide and preemptive strikes and, and all the rest of the, the stuff I've been talking about for years. They publish what they're going to do long before they do it. And here's an article almost 10 years old. And it was the same stuff getting said then. So there's nothing new about it at all. It was planned a long time ago. And everyone's gone through it and adapted to it because they haven't personally been dragged out their homes, generally, for most folk, yet. But that will come. That will come because even the security agencies, especially the ones at the bottom, will do the same as the KGB used to do. You'll be, they'll be, they get taught to be paranoid about the public, completely paranoid. The police have had lectures for years to estrange them from the public and see them as a different species, in fact. And now that same technique has been used by experts who facilitate them to these meetings. The same technique's been used uh, and all these security agencies. Now the whole the whole population uh, is comprised of terrorists. You're all a, each one is a potential terrorist. And you go back into the American Psychiatric Association's early publications, early 1900s, and look at the big players there. And they basically said the same thing: that everyone was mentally ill and would have to be fixed. In other words, now that's the, that's the that's the real control freak talking when they come out and say that everyone's mentally ill. In other words, anyone who didn't agree with them or wouldn't do or behave the way they wanted you to behave or or do was mentally ill. And we're hearing the same stuff again couched under different terminology. It's exactly the same agenda. And we can all speak out now if we want to, because shortly you won't be allowed to speak out. In fact, I have to say it shortly if you speak out the general population who will be totally conditioned, they will turn on you, in fact. They'll turn on you. Because they've created that technique, and it's been very successful in China. They call it the creation of social approval and social disapproval. 
and the count on the general public turning on someone who stands up and says something that's contrary to the political correctness of whatever day it happens to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday etc that's how easily most folk are conditioned we have to speak out now while we have a chance and for those as I say who occasionally complain about the different shows I'm on use your own discernment that's all I can say use your own discernment because there's no one else can decide for you you must decide for yourself out of all the information disinformation fear, panic and everything else that's out there you must decide what's true, what's false according to what you've learned and verified and put to your own experiences in life anything you take regarding experience from another person comes under the realm of religion because then you have to believe it you haven't experienced it you have to believe that someone else had the experience that's what belief systems are based on and many people prefer that they prefer to believe it's someone else's experience no matter how bizarre or fantastic it may have been it titillates the imagination and they grab onto it Zygmunt Brzezinski, I keep repeating this part said in his own book and he was no small player in all of this he said that shortly the public would be unable to reason for themselves they'll only be able to parrot what's been given to them by the media and magazines and TV and radio and all the rest of it that's what he meant people don't reason they don't work things out it's like the test they could give you to see if you're still thinking if your brain is working it's quite simple you ask someone this question Captain Cook travelled the world three times he died in one of his journeys which one was it that will tell you all you need to know if the answer I was never very good at history you know what category they fall into we are living through a time of imperative choice imperative decision making if you look around you you're looking at a dysfunctional society everyone is isolated from everyone else I'm not talking about getting together with cocktails and pretending as I say that's pretense that's not being real people are living in the same homes and don't know how to communicate or have no interest in communicating they're all they're all into their own little world the little world of personal thought safety 
fantasy or whatever it happens to be, or wish fulfillment, uh, wishing their lives away. We've got to understand that much of what has been said by those who have studied humanity is true. It's true because they've given us a system which was artificial to begin with. That's why it's now dysfunctional. Pretty well every plank on the old communist manifesto that was the flip side of capitalism, the dialectic in motion, you might say, all of those planks have been fulfilled right down to the destruction or the abolition of what was at that time the traditional family unit and the state is giving the values to the young up and coming people who've been indoctrinated it's all been fulfilled and then you have parents if you still have parents I think they're all breaking up everywhere because they can't get along or they're dissatisfied with everything around them because everything that they see in life especially the advertising and especially the good life of advertising it's all a fantasy people want it and that way they can't cope with reality anymore they want things which they'll never have and they want relationships they'll never have they want the fantasy over reality that's why you know that most folk will eventually go for something that will give them an alternate reality has been set up that way it's only those who are more content within themselves who know themselves who will come through this and avoid the pitfalls and avoid all the, all the panaceas will be offered to the public to take away their pain the pain of living or being conscious this is not a humane system never was I have to laugh when they put little blurbs on newscasts to do with stress. Stress is becoming a terrible thing. Well, it's been stress for every 10 years to tell us it's getting worse. And their answers are to, to, to send people off to, apart from taking drugs and all the rest of it, their answers are to, to, to join groups and meditate and, and find ways to cope with the stress. And then you find even better ways of coping with more stress. Until you're, you're you're running like a someone who's manic and you, and you can't sit down anymore, and then they call that normal. Is you're a good producer at work, flying through your life and noticing nothing. It's all dysfunctional. As I say, deliberately made so, because you don't tell people how to cope with stress when you add more stress onto it. No, you take away the cause of the stress. That's what you do. If you put your hand in the fire, who's there to teach you how to handle that fire? And don't tell me some special little guru sect somewhere, I don't want to hear it. You pull your hand out of the fire, or you take the fire away from the hand, one of the two. That's what you do. But this scientific adaptation theory that they have through the Darwinian theories that we can adapt and adapt and adapt into whatever they want us to adapt to really isn't working you're seeing the fallout all over the world and it doesn't even matter 
what society you look at, even those that you, some, you think are still fairly traditional by our standards, they are, it's still creeping in there too. In the streets of totalitarian countries, people don't greet each other the same way. They keep their eyes fixed. They don't want to look at anybody in the eye. And that's all happening here as well. People are living really in a form of fear. They don't want to get noticed. They want to sneak home to their little apartment or house or whatever and play games on the computer or do strange things with ethereal sexual partners that they meet on the internet. I've never really understood that, but lots apparently are into it. We found this when even Queen's Park in Ontario, which is like the local government for Ontario, admitted that, that a huge bill for all these people First of all, with phone sex and then with internet sex, and I thought, well, what, what are they doing all day long, all these civil servants? So there's a lot of people into all this. They don't want real people anymore. They're already going into the world of cyberspace, as was planned a long time ago, until they won't need human contact at all. All very deliberate. And it's working for lots of people, but not for everyone. Thank goodness. So I'm rambling tonight for a quick blurb because it's getting late. I was fixing some machines today to keep all this stuff going here. And that's another waste of my day, just fixing machines. Rather than pay to get them fixed. But I hope you've learned at least something about what's going on. And for those who criticize some of the shows I go on, Use your own discernment, listen to what I say. I try to be constant and consistent with what I say. And I'm not swayed by panic and fear of the thousand and one possibilities that are out there. Because left to the imagination, anything's possible. It could fall down a hole tomorrow as well. For those who enjoy my talks, and it's true, the more shows I do, the less time I have to even write, never mind live. And it's not financially rewarding, as I say, I keep repeating, because I'm not getting paid, I don't have lots of stuff to sell. And that's the reason a lot of people do go on radio, they can sell a lot of their products. I don't have lots of products to sell, so I count on the public to keep me going. And that can be terribly disheartening at times too. I know there's thousands of people use the material I put out. I know that for a fact. I get that feedback. But very few in today's society will actually help to keep it going. That's a good observation on the state of affairs today. Now remember too, I get lots of email. I mean stacks of email. And I red flag all the ones I want to answer and I often don't get back to them because by the time I go back to the computer, I don't sit at the computer all day like lots of people do. I don't do that. I do it very seldom. But when I go back to the computer, I'll have another 80 to 100 emails just come in and you can't keep up with it. I don't, I don't try to keep up with it anymore. It's impossible. 
so for those who really want replies, they have to understand it's overwhelming. This is so much comes in on an hourly basis, never mind a day's basis. For those that want me to keep going, try and support me if you can. I try to be consistent. I try not to scare the hell out of you. I try to give you the straight facts as I have found them. And as I continue to find more, I don't go off into tangents. I don't give you a blow-by-blow account of what's happening per day. It's irrelevant to me, to be honest with you, what's happening per day. And the names of the people who are thrown in front of the public for us to parrot, I don't bother with that either. I look at the big-term plan. I haven't seen politics at all change anything my whole life. I've seen associations and groups behind it all, planning it all, pulling everything off. I've seen them changing society. The little players on the bottom level that were supposed to part about uh, their speeches, etc., are just actors as far as I'm concerned. They're interchangeable, in fact, because the script writers write all their scripts for them. I don't play that game of falling into their traps. Look into the big foundations. Look into their their manifestos. See how long they've been on the go. You'll notice that their manifestos were made up generations ago. And they're able to pull off their mandates because... Intergenerationally, they employ more and more and more with the same mandate and they can pull off pretty well anything that they want and they have but non-governmental organisations run our lives they're not elected beware of all of those people too who say the UN should run everything this knight in shining armour that has put a lot of money out there in promoting themselves as being very altruistic they are really a super government set up ready to take over they're unelected by the people they don't go by democracy although they're always yapping about it but they don't really believe in it they also have intergenerational employees they have their own schools for those employees for the children They are elitist by nature. They use data, science and statistics and they believe in evolution and Darwinism and better types and inferior types and all of that. So be very careful of those who come out as champions of the people and then say we should give it over to the United Nations. Be very, very, very careful. And some of the shows I'm on too, I should also mention, you'll hear me getting cut off occasionally and stuff like that. It's not my fault. I don't arrange that here. When the ads come in, they come in automatically. They're computerized, apparently. And I generally get a feed through my earphone. When the music starts, it gives me a cue to when they get off for the ads come in. And then I get a cue going back on again. And it doesn't always work that way. Or it doesn't come across the earpiece And it gets cut off So it's not like it's it's me doing it or being negligent I can only sit here on the phone And work it that way 
well, the nights are getting colder and cooler. I still haven't finished with the wood because of all this stuff here. And i got to get very busy very quickly because with weather warfare being and a rather very old science now, anything can happen weather-wise and i got to be prepared for it. I wish everyone else out there too who's in the same boat the best of luck to get it all underway before the snow hits. From Hamish and myself, and Hamish is the dog for newcomers, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. This is the story of an idiot. (laughs) When John Henry was a little baby, he was sitting on his mommy's knee. He picked up a slide rule and a book on mathematics, saying, Thinking's gonna be the job for me. Said, Thinking's gonna be the job for me. Yes, sir. Old John Henry was just a little bitty 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 baby. Just a little thinker. <laughs> he decided when he growed up he was gonna be a thinking man. With a filter. <laughs> yes, sir, so he went to school for it. Studied all about algebra and thinking, geometry and thinking, trigonometry and thinking, calculus and thinking. Count. <laughs> trouble with English, though. Grammar's gonna be the death of me, Lord, Lord. Grammar's gonna be the death of me. I'll tell you, Greek kind of threw him there, too. Homer's gonna be the death of me, Lord, Lord. Homer's gonna be the death of me. Jeffro, too. <laughs> yes, sir, that's what old John Henry did. Went to school and became a very, very competent thinker, which is unusual. And out into the business world where they do a lot of heavy thinking and got a job as a thinking man. For a while, he was with the Chicago Tribune thinking up thoughts for the day. <laughs> and for a time, he had a job working with the Weather Bureau thinking up girls' names for hurricanes. He was thinking of a storm, I'll tell you. <laughs> Well, he had a job with the Atomic Energy Commission thinking up bombs. And for a while, he had a job writing our comedy material thinking, thinking up, up bombs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for a while, he's with the federal government thinking up excuses. It was a big job, I tell you. Well, one day they brung an efficiency expert around on the job, and he figured out John Henry's fringe benefits. And he hollered out, Automation! I'm gonna bring me a computer round. I'm gonna bring me a computer and an IBM machine. Cybernetics gonna put the answer down. Computers help to keep the payroll down. Well, now the man who invented the computer was from a place called MIT. He punched out cards and tapes by the yards. I'm nearer, my God, to me. I'm nearer. Thank you.
and better. What'd he say? He said, your tubes don't mean a damn. All your wires and your circuits on the integer of two are never gonna beat a thinking man. Are never gonna beat a thinking man. So it was proposed that John Henry and the computer have a race. The inventor punched out a card for the computer. John Henry stepped into the isolation booth. Ralph Edwards read him his question. John Henry started into thinking till his head glowed cherry red. There was smoke from his ears and his eyes poured tears and he thumped till his brain dropped dead. Think, think, funk, thump till his brain dropped dead. An awful fate of John. Beautiful. The thinking man yeah. couldn't stop thinking. Couldn't do it. <laughs> Killing him. Killing him. Twisted him all <laughs> They took John Henry to the bug house. But still his legend grows. Now no one's ever heard John Henry say a word. He's just sitting there. Smiling like, like he knows. knows.